0: You know, looking at their sermon on the mount, that uh, core verse there, seven twenty four, um, says, "Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house upon the rock." Doesn't say everyone who hears these words is like a wise man who builds his house upon the rock. It says everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, is like a wise man who puts, builds his house upon the rock. And uh, so it doesn't do us any good to pride ourselves in what we simply know. It's about what we know and what we're putting into practice. And God establishes us. Amen? Isn't that great? And so praise the Lord. So that, that's what we've been going through. And so everything we've been reading here has been a part of the Sermon on the Mount. And I want you, we'll read through verse 25. Start at uh, chapter 6, verse 25. six twenty-five, And... Um, This is what Jesus says. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. Look at your neighbor and say, do not worry. Do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and body more important than clothes? (laughs) Those of you going through this time, identify with that. Uh, Been out of your homes. Well, look at the birds of the air. And His righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. <laughs> right? It really does. Father, uh, speak through me and to your people. Help us to hear. Let it find place in our heart. And change us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to I speak to you this morning about... How to avoid being strangled? <laughs> and some of you are like what? What are you talking about? That's not what we read. But uh, it'll make it'll make sense in a minute. How to avoid being strangled? Um, I want you just to take your hand and put it around your neighbor's neck. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No. Um, no. But some of you Holly looked like you were just waiting to do that. I mean, I, you know, he's ready. Amen. Come up here and model that. Yeah. No. Um, no put, your, put, your, put your hand around your own neck. All right. Come on, put your hand around your own neck. And and now begin to squeeze. I mean, all right. Not too hard. Amen. But enough for you feel you feel the pressure. I hope nobody here has ever truly been strangled, but um, some have. It's a crazy world. But this, this title here about avoid being strangled, how to avoid being strangled, is, it probably seems odd, especially since I'm going to be addressing the subject of worry. But it's going to make sense here in a minute. How many of you could confess we've become pretty comfortable with worry? We kind of make light of it. I heard some of us, I've seen some of them kind of joking about as We're talking about worry, you know, oh, you worry, you worry, you worry, you all this, you know. We've almost become to come to the point where we've accepted it as normal and a natural part of life. But when we see it as for what it really is, we're going to gain, I think, perspective um, that will shake us and lead us to address worry uh, far more firmly and seriously than what we have uh, maybe up to this point. Um, the word worry comes from an old English word, actually. An old English word. Uh, one that is hard for me to announce. I had to look up because I have no idea. Um, but it's funny, when you read, I was, I was thinking about what struggles sometimes I run to as a minister and getting into words that you can't pronounce and all of that. But I remember Gypsy Smith, maybe you could practice this as well. Gypsy Smith, when he was reading through scripture and he'd come to a word that he couldn't pronounce... He would just stop and say a comment or two, and then he turned back to scripture and pick up after the word. <laughs> he just <laughs> avoided. But uh, but this is an old English word that I'm talking about called vir- virgen. virgän. It's pronounced. It's it's spelled w y r g a n. So why it sounds like virgen, <laughs> I don't know, but it's old English, and that word that word originally meant. Strangle. It changed over the years, and it first came to uh, be shifted and began to mean harass, and then finally moved to the point which we're more familiar with that means to cause anxiety, to cause anxiety to. And that's our basic understanding of worry, isn't it, of worry today, to give way to anxiety, to unease to um, just the stress over things or uneasy about things, to allow our minds to focus on the difficulties or troubles or difficulties and troubles that might not be before us, but we think might happen by the end of the day or tomorrow. Anybody ever been guilty of of that? Um, Happens sometimes. God help us, right? Um, But we, we probably never think of the definition of worry as to tear or to gnaw on. Or drag around with the teeth to strangle. So thinking of worry in the sense of being strangled adds a whole other dimension, doesn't it? Right? Remember, put your hand on your neck again. All right? Worry. If you begin to push really hard, you know, if you don't do hard enough, we could have your neighbor do it. But just to be strangled. Thinking of worry in the light of being strangled just changes things. And when, you, when we, you and I, when we feel such anxiety and so troubled mentally by real or anticipated things, that it, it, it's something, if we settle on it, we focus on it, and we let it own us, it's like squeezing or constricting or suppressing uh, our, like, our very life out of us. And you worry. You worry so much that you feel literally like you're being strangled. And we want to avoid that. Right? God doesn't want you or I to live that way. So Jesus commands three times in the passage we just read. Three times he says, so do not worry. Do not allow yourself to be strangled, right, uh, by this thing of of worry. We come against it. Listen, to worry is to sin. Because it's destructive. It's going to tear you down. So don't worry. The scriptures reveal that worry is a deeply spiritual issue. One that we need to overcome. God does not want you and our I to live under the stranglehold of worry, but to overcome it. Because worry is detrimental. It's detrimental to our health. It's detrimental to our, our emotional state of mind. It results in going around in just a circle of, of just futile problems, just an endless circle of, of, of wrestling, just so worried about stuff. You can't focus on anything else. You can't think on anything else. I'm so worried about it and just chewing all your nails off and, and just worried and fretting. Is that how God, is that why God saved us out of, out of our darkness and out of our troubles that so we could go around worrying and <laughs> chewing our nails and oh, fretting over this? No! God has set us free from that. Somebody say amen. It was uh, years ago, back in 1984, in fact, that uh, the D- Dallas Morning News reported on the, the life philosophy of Mickey Rivers. At that time, he was an outfielder for the Texas Rangers. And and it's a simple guy. He said it this way about worry. He says this way. He says, ain't no sense worrying about things you got control over. Because if you got control over them, ain't no sense worrying. (laughs) You go take care of it, right? He says, he goes on, he says, and there ain't no sense worrying about things you got no control over either. Because if you got no control over them, ain't no sense worrying about it. Right? Either way, worry is not going to work. So, But some people just pride themselves, oh, I'm just worried about it. I'm just worried about it. Well, I'm not, I'm not worried. I'm not worried. I'm, I'm just concerned. <laughs> Let's make sure that we are accurate on that. There's a big difference between being worried and being concerned. Being concerned is more of a positive thing, but worry is all negative. Concern comes from caring about someone or something and where you, you're energized to, to respond in a way where you can get engaged and, and help out. Some of you, when you heard about the storm, you were concerned. Oh my goodness, what's my neighbor? Are they okay? I hear about people running over there. Oh man, I wonder if they're alright. They were concerned. And it energized them to respond positively. And they're running over there to take care of them, seeing if there's something I can do. I'm concerned about it. I'm active. I'm moving. It's not controlling me. I'm controlling the situation by responding to it and doing what I can to help, right? Thank God for people that are concerned. But there's a big difference. Worry is problem-focused. Concern is solution-focused. Worry comes from a place of, of fear. Concern comes from a place of love. Worry robs us of energy, but concern fuels energy. Worry tends to be self-focused or self-centered, whereas concern is more generally focused on others. That's a big difference, right? So how do you realize God wants you to live a worry-free life? Right? And so I want to focus just for a few minutes here on, on three key words of what we just read. All of them begin with the letter F. But three key words we just read to help us avoid being strangled. Avoid being strangled by worry. And I'll go ahead and give it to you. And it's Father. Say Father. Father. Faith. Faith. And first. Father. Faith. First. All right. So I want to talk about them for a minute because Jesus addresses, he mentions each one of these. First of all, our Heavenly Father. That we draw our attention there, because how many of you realize it's our Father who provides whatever we need—physical, spiritual, emotional, whatever we need. It's it's our Heavenly Father, and so when Jesus talks about this, and he points he points the crowd there that he's ministering to during the Sermon on the Mount, and he points to them, and he gets them to turn their eyes, and what's he get them to focus on? He says, "Look at the birds, (laughs) and look at the lilies." He's going to teach a lesson about birds and lilies, right? The, the, and, and he talks about the birds and what they do and what they don't do and, and, uh, and talks about the fact how that the Father feeds them. And then he says, are, are not you more valuable than birds? I'm going to have you answer that question. How many of you believe you're more valuable to God than birds? All right. God didn't send his whole son into the world to die for birds. He sent his son in the world. To die for you and for me. Amen. And so he gets them to focus on that. Think about the birds, right? Such a short lifespan. They, they there's very limited things of what they do, right? They don't put their food up into barns. Yet your heavenly father is faithful to feed them. <laughs> they don't go around, they don't fly around worrying about it. God just takes care of them, right? He does that. And so he points them that. It reminds me of a, uh, the psalmist when he said in Psalm 37, 25, you remember when David said, I was young and now I'm old. Yet have I never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. And, and I tell you, listen, sometimes we need, we need to allow God to lead us through some tough times because, folks, for many of us, there are people in our community who are really being challenged and food is a huge issue. Make no mistake about it. But for the majority of us here in this building, in this church, few of us know what it's like to really be hungry, to wonder where the next meal is going to come from. All right? But, uh, and, and, but he's encouraging us and, and leading us to rely on the Lord, and he's pointing us to the Father, to the Father's faithfulness. God takes care of the birds. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son... But gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously, graciously give us all things? Amen? So look at the birds. Look at the lilies. God closed the grass of the field that's literally here today and gone tomorrow. You see those flowers pop up during the springtime, right? All those yellow flowers or purple flowers. Amen? Weeds. (laughs) That God makes look beautiful. I, I don't know. They pop up and how? I, you, they're just going. I'm trying to get, put spray out there that'll kill them. <laughs> but They just keep coming up, right? Um, and they just do it. They don't do anything. But God does them and said they're dressed so much, not even Solomon, all his splendor could compare. How God even does that, amen? Makes them look so beautiful. And they're here today and gone tomorrow. Do you think your life means a little bit more to God than the lilies of the field. Do you see what Jesus is doing? He's getting us to learn a lesson even from nature. And God is the God of nature. He created this world and everything in it. Amen? And He causes things to grow. He breathes life into this. And He's showing them, listen, look at how the things that you just take for granted here today, gone tomorrow, the things that nobody gives any real value to, but yet God values them enough to feed them and to clothe them. How much more precious are you in God's eyes than those things? You see what I'm saying? Isn't this just like common sense? Jesus is bringing us back to the basics, right? So think about the Father and his ability to do that, his love for them, his care for them, and how much more his love and care for you. He's the God who provides, right? Come on. Thank the Lord for that, right? Amen. Yeah. He says, God clothes the grass of the field that's here today and gone tomorrow. Will He not clothe you, O you of little faith? And that leads us to the second word. All right, that leads to the second thing this whole faith thing. Do we have faith in God or do we not? Faith comes what? By hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That God speaks, we get in his word, we we trust in what God says. God says it and that settles it because God never lies. He always backs up whatever he says and every promise. And so we need to know what God says and when we rely on it, faith is built in our heart that we're like, praise God, no matter what it looks like on the outside and no matter what your situation looks like on the outside, by faith you know you're going to be all right. All right? Lori and I, and like some of you, you look at the situation, you look at the house, like, oh, my goodness, what are we going to do? Just kicking stuff out of the way. When's it ever going to be out? You know, I can't focus on that. We can't focus on that. All right, somehow, by faith, we know sometime that thing's going to be transitioned, going to be transformed, and I don't know. I don't know the next. We literally don't know the next step. Have you all in the same thing? You just wrestle with all of the details. You can't worry about it. Now, listen, that, that's one thing, but some of you going through other things, Some of you going through things, private things. Brother Steve mentioned something in his life that he was going through that was private and personal. Sometimes those are the toughest. I'm going to tell you, going through a tornado is a breeze. A breeze. Compared to some of the things that might be going on in this room. I'm telling you the truth. Houses, sticks and stones. You know what? I've not lost any sleep over that. I've lost a lot of sleep over family issues. Some of you going through things and you just gotta keep you're trying to keep it to yourself and just share it with the Lord. I want you to know. Turn it to God and put yourself, get yourself in a place where you feel the peace of the Lord and you feel strengthened by God's promise and have faith in what God's saying. Amen and let him let him bring you through how many of you are trusting God for eternity that you're believing God that when you die or when Christ comes that you're going to be with the Lord forever Amen. 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 so how can we how can we say we're trusting God for eternity an infinite number of days and yet not trust God for today if we can trust him for all of those unseen days that we don't even know can we not trust him for today the enemy will lie to you and me and he'll say no you can't right but he's a liar what somebody they just read the scripture this morning I think opening up talking about trials and going through things right and um you know counted all joy praise God you know um that God's still with us he's not there it's all right we're still standing you're still standing. You're still standing. How many of you are still standing? Amen? We're not, we're not sitting around being choked out and being strangled. Instead of being strangled, we're standing. And God's got us. God's got you. He's bigger than whatever it is that you face. Amen? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, get, I'm gonna get into that. Um, you know, 1 Peter says, uh, 5 7 says this Give all your worries, say all. Give all your worries and cares to God. Who cares for you. Other uh, uh, translation says, cast all your anxiety on him. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I want you to listen closely to this. And maybe you want to write that down. But it says this. It says, don't worry about anything. This is a whole message right here. Don't worry about Anything. Anything. (laughs) How many of you found that there's endless things that you can worry about? Come on. We, we could go right here. I could guess, I guess start with, with Jackie. And we could work our way all the way around and talk about different things we worry about. And nobody repeats the same thing. And we not even get started. Worrying about everything. But God says, don't worry. You're a believer. You're a child of God. You're a saint of God. Don't worry about anything. So what do you do? In, instead... Instead by uh, take everything pray about everything don't worry about anything instead pray about everything tell god what you need and thank him for all he's done then you'll experience god's peace which exceeds anything we can understand his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus right and so we do that so we can that peace will come when we find ourselves uh, not living in little faith, we're living in big faith. We're living in true faith, genuine faith in the Lord and in His promises. There's a great passage that you would uh, encourage you to read sometime. It's found in Isaiah chapter seven, uh, the first part of the chapter, verses one through nine, I believe. Isaiah seven one through nine, and it's King Ahaz, all right, King of the Southern Kingdom, King of Judah, Southern tribes of Israel, and uh, and he's there and and he's serving as king at the moment and. Um, the enemy's pressing in against him, more powerful, more weapons, more numbers, stronger in, in, in the natural sense, stronger than every way in the natural. And uh, he's fretting, wondering what to do. Come on, we all face those times, we, we, we wrestle with that issue of worry, It's trying, something's trying to get a hold of us. It's a fear trying to stick, get into us and get hold on us and to make us afraid. And that's where he was. But God sent a word through, I, through Isaiah, said, Tell Ahaz, don't worry. Amen. Tell him, in fact, tell him to stop worrying. And in verse 9, he says, God says to him, says this, If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. How do we stand firm and stand above worry? We stand by faith in what the Lord has said. And God just told him, tell him, stop worrying. Because what he's worrying about is not going to happen. How many know a lot of things we worry about? The Most, most of the things we worry about happening never happen. Did you know that? And if it, in the rare event that it does go ahead and happen, how I many you know God has promised, He's already promised He's going to give us everything we need to walk through whatever situation. As we rely on Him, not taking matters in our own hands, but relying on Him, God's promise that He'll do that. And so we walk confidently by faith. I like the way the message uh, version of the Bible says this, this passage, it says it this way, it says, If you don't stand in your faith, you won't have a leg to stand on. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and uh uh then that's the truth. Yeah, amen. We stand in faith, we stand through the spiritual strength in in the Lord. And so I encourage you to stand on what God says in the face of whatever. Let me tell you, Ahaz is not the only one who's who faces an adversary, an enemy that's bigger and more powerful than he is. Every one of us will do that. Every single one of us will find us in places in our life, situations in our life, where we're faced with something that's bigger than we are. Meaning in and of ourself, we don't have enough power or resource to have victory. But the good news is, as followers of Christ, we have connection with a Father in heaven Who will more than provide every single thing we need? Amen? How many believe that? Come on, give God a hand. Amen? Praise God. Besides, who by worrying can add a single hour to his life? (laughs) You know, it's not gonna, you, you rob yourself of some hours, but you won't ever add any, right? So let's not worry about this stuff. That's what, that's what pagans do, he says. That's what unbelievers do because they have nothing else to lead on. But Daniel, they don't have any other leg to stand on. But we have the Lord. We have faith in our God. Amen? So what do we do? Here's, here's, here's what we do. Here's, here's how we live in victory. Looking to the Father. Standing in faith. And this is the thing that we're to be concerned with. Not worried with. This is the thing that should concern us. 6.33 All right? A central verse, really, to all Scripture, I think, a central principle. And Jesus says, But do this seek first. Say first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Amen? Seek first. God comes first. Come on. Can we be honest we get into trouble? What's the first thing we tend to do? I'm going to ask you. I'm in, that's a private thing. What's the first thing you do when trouble comes? What do you do? Who do you call on? I was I'm so blessed. I'm I'm looking around. I think, uh, I think Rodney was taking care of some things um in the four-year here, so I don't think. Is Rodney, you in here? Kim, you in here? Kim's, Kim's up there. Yeah, Kim. I'm so moved. Um, a couple stories. Um, when they were going through the storm, tornadoes hitting their house, they, they hit in a specific spot. Um, and actually, and they had a huge return air area that they were able to get into. That's where they rode out the storm. And, um, well, no, Brooklyn, she's a timid girl, timid young girl. And, um, but they said in the middle of that, when that tornado was coming, she lifted her voice, voice more boldly than any of them and began to call out for Jesus, to call out for help. Amen? She knew who to call on. And she called out just so in such maturity and such faith. Pastor Chase and Kate, they came over here, moved from the parsonage in here to the, the original hallway of the building because it was all block and, uh, and there. And Pastor Chase was talking about how that all the pressure as a tornado was just outside the doors here, just uh, this uh, the hospital and all of that. And um, it said you could heal, feel the pressure. You could just feel it right through there and pressure down the halls and all of that. At that point, Emma, Emma began to cry out. Begin to cry out to the Lord. Lord Jesus, turn the tornado. You know what she said? Turn, turn the tornado. Where's, where's the hospital? What side of 51 is it on? It's on this west side. It was right there, right? I mean, it was so wide, it was covering the other side too, this side. She said, turn that storm. And it turned. And instead of going a little bit farther north and hitting so many houses, it destroyed huge structures. Like Delfield, like the Justice Center, like the schools, like Mueller Brass. Huge! Can you imagine if it would have been just the other side of the railroad tracks there in town, what it would have done? You got to know who to call. Who are you calling on? Seek first. Let me ask you: Who's there's a reason God says put me first. You know, it put first in everything. That's why. That's why I'm a billfold on me. But that's why, even in my finance, God says put me first. We all know that God wants us to give the the, the ten the ten percent tithe belongs to the Lord. Where does that ten percent come from? What part, What portion? What what part of our income? The first. When people t- say something like, you know, I just don't have money. I can't afford to pay my tithe. You just told me you didn't put him first. You saved it to the last. And you were wanting to see, as long as I got this paid, I got my, 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 my house paid and my car paid. and got my utilities paid. And I got my bass boat paid and my golf clubs paid. And my golf cart paid. And, you know, I got done with it. I got my food bill paid. And I got done with all that. You know what? I didn't have anything left. Because you did it wrong. <laughs> you put God first. You give him the first 10%. There's no faith if you've already paid for everything else. And Ah, good, i got 10% or more left. Now I give that to God. There's no faith in that. But God teaches us to live by faith, even in things like that. Putting him first. Amen? Putting him first in our day. That, what's the first thing you think of in the morning? What you got to do through the day? Or some significant other in your life? Whatever. Or is it the first thing when you get up in the morning? Lord, thank you. For I have breath in my body. Thank you for this great day. Thank you for this opportunity. What's the first thing? Amen. Giving God what's first. What's the first thing on your calendar? When you put your calendar out, what are you building around? What do you what do you cancel and what do you make sure is in there? Some people don't say, I don't have time to church. Why? Because they didn't put God first. They put something else in the calendar on, on Sunday. Anyway, another story nobody in this room but sometimes that happens right i'm not going to do that i'm going to i'm going to do something else and 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 god gets put re- displaced from first to something else, but Jesus said, "If you want to overcome this whole thing of worry, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness." And guess what? All these other things will be added unto you as well. You don't have to worry about what you're going to eat. You don't have to worry about what you're going to drink. You don't have to worry about what you're going to wear. You don't have to worry about a place to live. You don't have to worry about anything. All you can do is just enjoy the goodness of God. Amen. He's there. Come on, can we give God praise? Just give Him praise. Hallelujah.